What is going on guys? Today I'll be going over how to capitalize on cold weather if you're targeting speckled trout. If you're new to the show, I'm Zach Messer, active duty Navy. This is my attempt at building a community of better fishermen with cutting edge tactics, rigs, and lures to catch more fish and build a network of like-minded individuals to help each other get better around the country. 90% of the fish are caught by 10% of the fishermen. Of 100 boats going out on a Saturday, 80 of them are following the crowd. 10 of them shouldn't be past the inlet. Eight are dialed in for the most part, but two are professionals that are relentlessly dedicated to putting fish on deck despite any conditions, day in and day out, adapting and using past experience. Sit down, strap in, and get ready to take some notes. We're going to take the fishing game to the next level. Welcome to the Obsidian Fishing Podcast. Let's be honest, no one likes inboxes from companies to like a page or whatever. But if your buddy says it's good to go, you're likely to check it out. So if you can do me a favor and just share this with one person, I'll do my best to pass on everything I know to make you a better fisherman. There are some diehard trout fishermen around the country. The thrill of the hunt for a gator trout consumes people in the fall. As soon as the yellow butterflies show up, as they say in North Carolina, the trout fishing game is on. Trout fight like hell, they taste great, and you can catch them on a variety of tactics, everything from corks to topwater lures. They're awesome, fun fish to target. Since it's the middle of the winter, I want to go over a couple of proven tactics I've used to catch trout when they get lethargic. But first, I'm going to start with a fishing story. Let me set the scene for you. One of the best days of trout fishing I ever had started out by breaking ice at the boat ramp just to put in the boat in the water. But we ended up catching a ton of 3-5 to five pound trout and found a massive wad of red drum at the mouth of the creek that we were casting into. That morning after we crushed some ice, put the boat in the water, fired it up, tied it to the dock, I grabbed some mud minnows from the marina, off we went to the dark of night. Check the plugs on the way out, because I usually always forgot to put those in. I don't know what it was. I always left the middle one in, because if you leave that one out, you're in trouble. But in a Carolina skiff, you can take the other two on the sides out. But anyways, plugs were good to go. Got the spotlight out, made our way down the ICW at 20 knots. I knew where all the markers were, so I would just flash the spotlight occasionally. After we broke off the ICW, started making our way up the creek, backed off the throttle and started creeping our way up to the top of the ditch. My tools of the trade that day, I had two rigs on, four rods, three slip corks, and one light J-head. We made it to the spot where I wanted to fish. I turned the engine off let us float a little bit and I set the anchor out and then the stick it pole to keep us from swinging back and forth that way when you got lines out with slip corks they'll stay where you want without the rods going back and forth and kind of tangling up you didn't want any swing that's how I like to fish a stick it pole is like a poor man's power pole it's just like a fiberglass rod stick it down in the dirt and tie it off to the cleat once we were set started putting mud minnows on our rigs. We threw them out. There was five feet of ice coming off the bank everywhere you looked. So what I did was I threw my rig up onto the ice and drug it right off to where the mud minnow could get in the water. And I wanted to be fishing right there on that temperature change because in the past I'd caught fish right on the edge of the ice. I don't know what it is, if they're sitting under the ice or if they're right there on that water temperature change, but that's where they like to hold. After we got our rod set, I picked up my other rod with a 
gulp and a 16th ounce jig head. Started fishing that, didn't get any bites, but it was like as soon as the sun cracked up over the trees, the bite turned on. One cork went under, I caught one, nice two pound trout, and then my buddy Mike, he caught another one right after me. He's like, as soon as he netted my fish, he had one hooked up. And it was like that cycle, just one right after the next. By the time we reeled it in, got a rod set, netted the fish, got him in a live well, all that, it was like one of us was just catching fish for like an hour and a half straight. And they were beautiful trout, all about three pounds. I mean, anywhere from two to five pounds. Most of them were right about three. And then I ended up catching my biggest fish that day, two ounces shy, or my biggest trout. It was two ounces shy of five pounds, which I was really disappointed about because five pounds was like the citation for North Carolina. But it was an awesome day. After that bite kind of cooled down with the mud minnows, we started fishing around with our gulps a bit more. In that two-hour span, we ended up catching over two dozen fish, caught our limit of trout, and then we started throwing our gulps around, seeing if we could find a redfish. Big school of redfish ended up being right across the way from us, and we were catching them on little 16th-ounce jig heads, little gulp minnow. Didn't even need to really move. He just had to throw it out and just let it sit on the bottom a little bit, maybe twitch it just to get like within that strike zone, and you were catching a nice redfish. A lot of them were under the slot, so you know, that 12 to 18-inch size, but we ended up taking a couple 26-inch redfish home that day. It was awesome. We were done before lunch. Never saw another boat in the creek all day. The weather had turned everybody off, I think. And so I think there's a lot of times that folks kind of miss out on one of the best bites, whether that be in the rain or the freezing cold. If you got a plan to go, you got the time off, the weather doesn't turn out how you want it to turn out, highly recommend you go and just try it. Obviously, if you're going out in the ocean and it's, you know, it blew up out there and it's not safe, don't go. But for inshore fishing, don't let the weather hold you back. Sometimes that wind, that rain, that cold is what turns the bite on and it'll be a day you won't forget about. So diving into the tactics of how and the why of catching those trout and red drum that day. I'm from North Carolina, so my perspective is based on the fish moving up from the ocean into the creeks as the fall comes to an end and winter starts to progress. High tide definitely helps. These fish, when it's like you get, you know, the moon gets right and there's high water levels, it pushes those fish that are like in the ICW or in the marsh up deeper into those creeks, the rivers, anything like that. So that's definitely one thing to think about. You know, has your tides been really low? Have they been really high? Somewhere in the middle. If they're going to be super low, they're probably, you know, those fish are sitting in that deeper water trying to find the correct water temperature that they want to be hanging out. And, you know, obviously that's going to vary. But they're not going to be in super shallow water if it's really cold because that's how fish end up dying is they get caught in that cold water or that cold shallow water if it drops to a really low temperature get up early and get to the spot first though know your markers you know if you're running in the dark carry spotlight don't be in a rush i mean i got to a point where i was you know knew what ditch we were going to start fishing in first and i would run in the dark just occasionally using a spotlight but if you have a fish finder with a navigational 
track that you can route beforehand highly recommend you do that that way you can just use your spotlight for checking you know what's in front of you where the markers are at that type of thing but being there first thing in the morning is crucial because that bite in the winter time can sometimes be finicky or lethargic or the tide has to be right so you want to be there when they start biting since you're targeting trout in the winter time they are going to be a little bit more choosy you're going to want to be fishing a lighter leader lighter weight your presentation is going to switch up from what you're typically used to when you know they first move in late summer early fall that type of thing so i recommend using light leader 10 pound test that's what i like as long as you know you have your drag set 10 pounds should be plenty and you've got a good braid i like the braid because you can cat for your main line obviously use four carbon leader 10 pound but I also run 10 pound braid so that way I can cast the lighter rigs a lot farther for your lures and jigs I recommend downsizing and when I say jig heads I never really liked fishing more than a, a quarter or an eighth of an ounce I think eighth of an ounce was the sweet spot for trout fishing but in the winter time I would drop it to a sixteenth ounce and then even then I would take a pair of scissors and trim off some of the weight if it was to the point where, you know, you're dealing with ice, you know, it was almost like no weight. And those gulps are great lures because they're water absorbent and they're going to have weight to them versus like a zoom plastic or something like that. Pick a jig head with a good hook. I think that's one of the most important things. The colored heads, I didn't get really too. I usually like a white or just like a plain lead jig head. If you can find one that matches, you know, your lure color, like a chartreuse or something like that, then go with that. But in the wintertime, I always used a more neutral color. So, like, it was like a black and a white. Gulp bait, you know, they had a different version of that. I think it was called the Emerald Shiner was the one that really worked well for me. It was my favorite. While we're on the subject of jig heads, how I target trout with a jig head fishing is I throw it out and it's a pop, pop, crank, pop, pop, crank. And I want to be in that two to three foot zone most of the time from the bottom. That's where I've had the best luck. Redfish, though, they'll just be sitting there and they'll be kind of like stubborn where they're at in the wintertime. Sometimes they won't want to move. So if you know where those redfish are, pay attention, or if you get a bite, pay attention that way you can cast right back there to that same spot and a gulp you can work it on i want to be right on the bottom for redfish and if they're really not biting just throw the gulp out and let it sit those redfish will pick it up right off the bottom it's almost like you're fishing bait but <laughs> if it's a cold winter day just try that because sometimes it just takes them a minute for them to make up their mind to eat because Redfish do get very lethargic in the wintertime. Trout, on the other hand, like a swimming action. So you can actually, you know, cut pieces of that jig head, like I mentioned earlier, off to where, like, you can fish it at a slower rate instead of that jig head, you know, taking it straight to the bottom. I want it to look more like a minnow swimming along, just kind of struggling. So just a pop, pop, and you're letting it fall. How I like to rig a slip cork is I'll have two or three rods set at different intervals so that way I can figure out what depth is working the best or where I'm getting the most bites at. So I'll have two foot of fluorocarbon leader. I'll have you know a treble hook or a circle hook. I use a treble hook more often than not with live bait 
for the trout. I definitely could have used a circle hook, but being brought up down there in Swansboro, that's just what everybody used for live bait and mud minnows in the wintertime was the treble hook, so that's what I used. You definitely want a small hook. You don't want something that's really preventing that mud minnow or live bait looking like a natural presentation. So with your two foot of fluorocarbon leader, I'll go 18 inches up, throw a split shot on, tie my fluorocarbon leader to a swivel, and then tie my mainline braid with my slip cork rig. So that way my cork's not sliding down, hitting my split shot off or hitting my bait or whatever. Usually I don't fish swivels, but in this case I do think it's beneficial just to add a little bit of weight to keep that rig straight up and down and the cork off your split shot. If you're fishing with no current and you've got your cork set, I like a little bit of line out, but like I don't want a big bow in my line because A, it's going to be more likely to get tangled, and B, when that fish does take that cork down, you want to be able to crank or two, you know, give it a good crank, and then come tight on that fish. You don't want to be wind, 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 and then come tight on it because sometimes you know, you'll, you'll miss them if they feel that hook in their mouth or whatever. If you're fishing in an area of current, though, you definitely don't want to be on the bottom because you'll get snagged and you'll think you have a bite. So that's one way to tell if you're fishing the correct depth. So what I'll do is have like, if I'm fishing in a current area, I won't have more than two rods with a slip cork because it's hard to keep those presentations looking natural and cycling those rods depending on how fast the current is. So what I'll typically do is throw one upstream let it go down and then when it's about halfway down i'll throw my next rig up and then it'll start its drift so that way they're always apart from each other and that way i can kind of just rotate rods you know as that one comes back you know floats back behind the boat crank it up make another cast and by the time i get that rod set i repeat it with the second rod mirror lures work too in the winter time i would use the smaller ones and definitely do like a slow steady cranking action you know i i never fished mirror lures a whole lot i didn't have that much luck i always did better with a jig head or a gulp or a cork something like that but if you do like fishing mirror lures try a smaller size either way whatever lure you you know you choose or the cork with a live bait i found that casting up the current and letting it flow naturally with the current is the best presentation. I never want to be working that cork or the lure like upstream because those trout are sitting there looking upstream waiting for something to pass by their face. It's just, I've never, I mean, I'm not saying you won't catch any fish if, you know, you just got a cork sitting back there, you know, holding tight in the current. But odds are those fish are looking for that natural presentation. I'm casting it upstream and letting it drift down and then you know, that's the one time I crank it up, make another cast. Light braid, in my opinion, is the key to fishing in the wintertime because you can cast those lighter lures a lot farther. And as long as you have your drag set, you're fishing that light leader, you don't have to worry about popping the trout off. If you don't want, you don't feel comfortable with, like, say, 10-pound test, maybe bump it up to 12 or 15. But I definitely wouldn't go over 20-pound test for trout. And the main line has never been an issue for me. If anything, it's like where the floral and the braid are, you know, tied together, which you can do a double line, like a triple overhand, and then do a double uni. 
and then that way you have twice as much braid on that fluorocarbon. So there is ways around to make your knots stronger, but 10-pound braid, mainline has never been an issue for me. And the cool thing about the wintertime is you'll find those trout and those drum mixed together. So like if you're fishing a mirror lure, maybe try that gulp or try that cork because there may not be any trout in the area, but there might be a school of drums sitting right there, and you're just doing the wrong presentation. So keep your options open. Have two or three rods, you know, tied on with different rigs or have your buddy fishing one thing and you're fishing the other. Rods I like to use is like seven foot, medium, Fenwick. I, I like the Fenwick spinning rods. They're always good to me. Seven foot because I can cast pretty far. I don't fish anything shorter than seven foot for inshore fish. And the reels were always 4,000 size reels. I realize that's, you know, a little excessive for some of these, um, trout but i liked having a reel that i could cover the bases with everything you know i'd use those reels for drum fishing in the surf and then also take them out and you know drop two ounce bucktails just throw my reel on another rod and fish some two ounce bucktails on the bottom and i could put you know 20 30 pound braid on them and still have that line capacity having an anchor is the must and i would highly recommend you get a power pole or like a stick it pole because if you are fishing that still water you don't want the boat swinging around on you, you know, and I would throw the anchor out, like say on the starboard front side and then have the stick it pole off the port quarter. That way it's like, you're kind of being pulled in two different directions and that boat is being held steady, but I wouldn't throw your anchor towards where you're throwing, <laughs> throwing your, your uh, lures and rigs, right? Cause you don't want the fish getting tangled up with that or spooking the fish. Another lesson I learned from our buddy Dale is we were going through a ditch and he was marking fish on his fish finder while we were kind of just at idle. And we kept going past him, turned around, went to the other side of the creek and started casting towards where we marked those fish and we started catching them. So the key thing there, which I, I think is if you mark fish on your fish finder, don't stop right on top of them. Keep going. And then once you stop marking them, Go down another 25, 50 yards, slow the boat down, and then make a game plan to come back around where you can cast into where they're going. I just wouldn't stop the boat right there on the fish because I've seen that where drum fishing, if you find a school of fish and you like yank the throttle back, you're going to spook those fish to the other side of the creek. Hopefully you guys can apply some of these tactics and lessons learned to catch some trout in the wintertime when the bite gets tougher. Hopefully you're not dealing with as many uh, competitors out there on the water. You know, it kind of separates the, the men from the boys when it's freezing cold outside. But anyways, I really appreciate your time. I hope you enjoyed it. Share the show. Leave a review if it was worthy. If you want to link up or check out any other content, I am on Instagram at Obsidian Fishing or Zach Messer. Either one of those, you should be able to find me. I posted my fishing dates for the year out of San Diego. I haven't nailed down the boats yet, but I know the weekends I'm going to be going fishing. I'll probably be doing overnights to two-day trips. So if you guys want to make a group trip, head on a boat, have a good time. We'll go over some stuff. And uh, I got some jigs being made right now, so you can test some prototypes with me. That'll be a good time. I think the tuna bite is going to be on this year. Crossing my fingers. That's what I'm making these jigs for. So hopefully we can make it happen. Until next time, boys, keep those lines tight. Later. <laughs>